Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington. In this week's episode, I got to chat with Ricardo Gonzalez, a previous student of one of our hosts, Hunter Wilson. After graduating in the top 10 of his class, his picture was put up on City Hall. And while others were holding up college flags in their pictures, he was holding up his pancake hood, showing the world that he was going to be a welder. He talks about how he got into welding after losing his brother, who was a pipeline welder, and he wanted to see what the trade was all about. After excelling in school, he traded in his Chili's uniform for a spot at a local welding shop where he works hard to improve with every weld. We jump in right after a word from our sponsors. Have you experienced the power of black and yellow yet? Those are the sharp shades of Aesop welding and cutting. And though the brand has been around since 1904, its welding power doesn't live in the past. Oh no. Aesop is breaking through the limits of what welding equipment can do every damn day. Plug into the full MIG, TIG, and stick package of Rebel. See under the hood with Sentinel's wide view and perfect optics. Cut time and mistakes with Thermodynamics Manual Plasma Cutter. Simplify your automated welding with the app-based software of Aesop Cobot. Even go off-grid with the Ruffian, the best compact engine drive you'll ever lay your gloves on. Or Volt, the first and only welder to run on DeWalt standard power tool batteries. How incredibly powerful is that partnership? Aesop is leading a new age of welding power. And that power belongs in your hands. Check out the full light and heavy industrial lineups at Aesop.com. When it comes to choosing a welding school, there are a lot of options out there. But in my personal opinion, I think finding one that gives you experience of what you'll encounter in the field is going to be worth the price of tuition. And that is exactly what our friends at Arc Labs are doing. Aside from their basic curriculum that'll get you trained to be confident in your skills, you'll have a chance to weld in one of their many different simulators that'll show you what it's like to weld in a confined space, welding in a pipe rack, or even making crucial welds on a water wall with little to no room to maneuver. If you're out in the field on a job and encounter something like that, you could be the go-to welder to make those crucial welds with confidence. Aside from that, if you have a special process or alloy you want to learn, when you finish their basic outcomes, you can jump right into getting prepped for industries like sanitary, performance fabrication, and many more. Best thing is, when you finish school, you still have 20 extra welding hours after you graduate the school. So, if you decide you want to get into another industry, you can feel confident going into that weld test with extra time and guidance to get you there. 
If you're ready to be a future leader in the welding industry and hit the ground running with all the experience you need to be more than just a new hire, but a great set of hands, head on over to artlabs.edu today to start learning where welding will take you. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience, just in case they're not familiar with you and your work? I'm Ricardo Gonzalez. I'm a welder by trade. I work with the company Luaz Welding as a single-hand welder. I do anything a rig needs me to do or anything my boss needs me to do, really. I just got out of high school, college, and I'm diving into the field, really. Let's back up. Okay, so how old are you? I'm 19. I just turned 19. You're kidding me, man. I'm a baby. Yeah. That's crazy, (laughs) dude. Okay. So in high school, were you already welding or was this after high school? So what happened with me was I never wanted to be a welder. Like that was, (laughs) that was something that I never thought I'd be in. I mean, I honestly, I I owe everything to God for, for the positions he's put me in. I always wanted to be a pastor. That was my number one thing that I wanted to do and go for. Right. But life happened, things happened. I went, I kind of dove into, into that aspect because unfortunately my brother Enrique Gonzalez, he passed away when I was 17. So he was a pipeliner. I'd see him every now and then the back in her ranch throwing a couple beads here and there. And I was like, I wonder what that was about. So I guess in one sense, me getting into welding, it was to kind of get closer to to what he did because he always talked about taking me on as a helper and that he was going to teach me how to weld and things like that. So I said, you know what? Let me try it out. So when he passed away that summer, I was supposed to go with him to go to work. We were talking about me taking off with him just for that one summer. That unfortunately didn't happen, but I decided to go on and just try it out to see if I was going to miss out on anything. So I went to school for it. My high school offered a a dual uh, program to where the high school would pay for for the college courses. And all I had to do is just go to college and do my best and whatnot. If I failed, I failed. But if I passed, I had a certificate. So I did that. And I didn't know what I was doing at all. Yeah. Like my like my father, my dad, he's a welder, he's a pipeliner, he's been welding for maybe 30 years already, but I never knew anything about it. Like, yeah, I'd see the truck and the welding machine and I'd see him build stuff there, but I had no clue as to what anything was. But my first professor, he helped me out a very, very little amount as to what it was because that class was really just safety mm-hmm. and just more or less getting to know what welding was. But even then, I still didn't know what it was. It wasn't until my second semester when I met Hunter, he he's the one that actually got me into burning a rod and things like that. And my second week, I believe, I went up to him. I was like, hey, I have no idea what I'm doing. I was like, can you help me out or show me? We're do, we're messing with Meg. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know if I was too fast, too hot. I didn't know what the problem was with the machines because I had no idea what it was. He goes on to kind of show me here more or less. I threw a bead and he's like, hey, what, what do I have to show you? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you're a natural. And me, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know if it looked good or if it, if it was just straight trash. But me just being young and him telling me that, I was like, he's saying that either he's telling me that just because I actually suck. So he's pulling, he's pulling a string or something, or 
he's actually pretty good. So from there, I went on to like it more. It started, things just started coming to me naturally when it comes to welding, mm-hmm. right? So it was just like that. I started seeing what it felt like to watch the puddle and just the satisfaction of how it would come out at the end. You pick up your hood, buff off the slag or whatnot, and you see it. You see how it's pretty or how it's ugly. Well, that's that's something that, I mean, I definitely haven't had this conversation on the podcast, but I talk about it a lot. Like when I was going through school too, I had no no idea what was supposed to be going down. I was like, what is, I don't know what I'm supposed to be looking for. I don't know. There's a lot that goes into welding that, you can't really explain to people. And that, <laughs> that's the hard part about education. You might have some really great welders like telling you, just explaining it in words. This is what yeah. you should be looking for. But until you actually see it and actually feel it, like it, you you just won't know. You know? Yeah, so it's a hands-on kind of thing that you need to do. You can't learn reading a book mm-hmm. how to weld. Like you'll get the aspects of it and you, you may know what undercut is when you see it, but you don't know why it's forming or how it's forming when you're running, striking your arc and running that beat or whatever process you're doing. It's just, you have to do it in order to know what it is and to fully understand it. You know, yeah, it's like just exactly. Yeah, no, that, that's the thing too. Uh, me being so young within my industry, I think the thing that puts me above other coworkers that I have and people I've worked with. And I've worked with people really not younger than me. I'm the baby of the company. Oh yeah. But I've worked with people that are younger than me in terms of experience. Right. But I also working, I'm also working with people with 20, 30 years of experience. So it varies. But the thing that I see myself and others see in me that puts me above many people, including those guys that have 10 years of experience is my welding. My, my welding is up to par. And if it's not better than theirs, it's it's very close as to the parameters that where you go to say, oh, that's a good weld. Mm-hmm. Or not only that it looks pretty, but that it holds. You know what I mean? And that's the number one thing that I'm very thankful for in learning in school and in college. It was to know what a weld is supposed to look like, to know if you're actually fusing, to know to know if that weld is going to hold and to have confidence in that weld. I go out to, to rigs every now and then and I have to make a weld in very disgusting places. And, mm-hmm. and once you get into those positions and it's, I don't know if I'm fusing or not, but because sometimes you can't see. Just recently I went into a tank to put the rings I forget what they're called, but there's some locking mechanisms and there's a ring on the bottom and they lock that when it goes up into the pipe and it's just for pressure and things like that. And it was in such an uncomfortable position because the pipe where I was supposed to make that weld around was maybe four inches from the ground and two, three inches from the wall. So it's the wall and then it's the pipe right there. And I couldn't see what I was doing, but I had to feel it and I had to kind of more or less just listen to see if I was fusing into that because that was a lot of pressure going in there. After that, I was able to stick a little mirror in there and kind of see more or less if I was fusing uh, or if it looked decent enough to, to hold. I said, it'll shoot. They tested it, it passed. But there I was going based off of confidence and, and just really just 
their abilities. To be honest, because you can't see it, but you can hear it. Mm. That's the thing that you get with experience of just doing it and actually trying to learn what that puddle looks like, what it, like the sound of it. So all that I learned in college. But the thing that I do lack in that does pull me back is that fabrication part. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, I can weld you anything. You give me whatever you want me to weld, stick, flux core, MIG, not there yet, on TIG yet, but whatever it is you need me to weld, I'll get it done. But you tell me to build you a table, I'll still take my time with it because I'm not there yet with the fabrication. That's the only thing that puts me aside, kind of pushes me back a bit. But other than that, the welding alone is the main thing that I learned in college that put me above a lot of people because I could weld and I could keep up with with people with high experience. So if we're at a job that needs to get done fast, it's okay. These guys will fabricate. They're like, I trust this kid to make that weld and keep the production going. So it puts me, it puts me in a good position, but me, myself, I don't like that because sometimes I want to build or I want to do something like that. So right now I'm leaning more towards the getting into into jobs that require building mm-hmm. or just sticking around those old timers that know how to build and know how to fabricate and have years behind that to where I'm learning from these guys that will build you a table in five minutes <laughs> when me it take me a whole day to get it going. Yeah. You said something, you were talking about the sound. That's something that a lot of people don't really take into account is that there's more than just watching the puddle that can indicate to you what the puddle's doing. Like you can hear what the puddle's doing, especially on like pipe work. Like Mm -hmm. that's something I tutor at the college. Like I'm over there every once in a while where I went and this semester is pipe. And it's my favorite because pipe, you could really, really tell if it's working or if it's not on those root passes. Was that something that someone told you or was that something that you just kind of learned? You're like, oh, this is something that's consistently happening. I should pay attention to that. In terms of the sound when you're putting in the root, that's something that, that my professor, he he pointed out. He was like, listen to the root, you'll hear it. When he told me that the first time, I was like, hear it? What are you talking about, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of weird. But once you listen to it and you pay attention to what you're doing, not just by seeing, but by just with all your senses that you have... You can, you can hear it. You can hear the difference and just putting two and two together, right? If you see that root soaking in, if you see it, listen to it, right? Remember that sound, remember how it sees and you go from there. I still have problems with it because sometimes I feel or it looks like it's soaking in, but it's Mm -hmm. really not. And I can tell that the sound is a little different at that point, even though it seems like it is going in. So either that's something I need to work on and that I'll get in with time to actually pinpoint with my eyesight, whether it's really working or not. But you also get it by just doing it, like you said, just doing it. Repetition, repetition. You get so used to it to where any little change just seems off, something is wrong or something is different. But it's just that repetition that, that you have to go into. So you get out of school. How did you get your first job? That started, I was working at Chili's first. I was <laughs> doing that. Yeah, I was doing that to go stuff, man. And uh, I was working there and I was driving to work one morning. And I look over to my left and I see a welding shop. 
And by then I had already graduated high school and gotten my certification at, uh, for Coastal Bend. And it was maybe like two weeks after I graduated, I think. So I looked to my left as I was driving to work in the morning and I see that welding shop. And I was like, hmm, I wonder, I wonder what that place is about. And I've heard about my company for a while as I was learning how to weld, but I never paid much attention to it. So once I looked to my left and I read this sign, I was like, oh, that's the company? I was like, hmm, I know a couple people in there, people that know the boss. So I'll talk to them, see what happens. The next morning, I call up the guy that knows my boss and I said, hey, so what do you know about the company? Just asking questions as to what they do and if it's something that, that would be suitable for me. He tells me, yeah, it's uh, a lot of young guys go and they that's where they first start off. I asked him, I was like, is it a good company to work for? Yeah. He said, yeah. He said, like I said, he was like, a bunch of young guys go in there and that's where they find out if it's for them or if it's not for them or they grow, they find another, a better job or things like that. But, you know, a lot of people start off there. I said, okay, cool. I'll check it out. So that same day I went in, talked to the boss and I was straight up with the, with, with the boss. And I told him, I was like, look, I just came out of college. I was like, I know how to weld. I don't know how to weld everything and anything, but I'll, I can weld. I was like, you can give me a test or whatever it is, or I can start off as a hand to see what it is that you do within your company, things like that. He said, yeah. He said, go apply, send the paperwork, things like that. We'll give you a call. I don't know when he was going to call me, but I didn't wait for him to call me. I went right in the next morning. I signed the paperwork. I turned it in. Next morning I went in. I asked them, I asked the manager, the office manager, what else do I need to do? And I guess they saw that I was eager to just get started. So they sent me off to my drug test, passed, obviously. And yeah, passed me off to the drug test. And then they made me do some safety courses online. They said, uh, come in Friday. I believe it was a Wednesday whenever they told me to do that. They're like, come in Friday after you're done with the safety courses. I'm assuming they thought it was going to take two days to finish that. I finished it by the next morning. I went in on Thursday I told him with my hood, everything. I was like, "My, I'm ready to work. He said, you finished already the safety courses? I said, yeah. I said, okay. I, I'm ready, and dude. <laughs> I was like, I want to I want to go. I want to get started. I want to I want to see what, what this is about. And I had already talked to, to Chili's right to my managers there. And uh, they were very cool people as well. Uh, they already knew that uh, I aspired to be a welder and I aspired to keep to just start on my career. Mm-hmm. And they were very mindful of it. So they understood and there was no hard feelings as far as I know. They, they said, weren't like, you're going to work at Chili's forever, yeah, kid. <laughs> exactly. I was like, man, I'm, I was kind of, I was scared. I was very scared as to see what it was because I was between a rock and a hard place, really, because this guy, my boss, he was telling me, you can start Friday. And it's all about like the, the two week notice kind of thing that, that I didn't give my bosses that proper time you know what i mean but i talked to them and i said i know you guys can replace me in an instant and they're like no we can't replace you we want you to keep working here and i was like that's not gonna happen i said if i have this opportunity i have to take it and at the end of it they were like we understand you're young and even then they told me if there's ever a problem to where you get laid off or there's no job for you you're always welcome here so I said, okay, cool. Left in a good place there. Thank Let's you. go get this welding thing started. And from there, that same day, 
I think we were working on, what was it? We were making skids for what I don't remember, but we were making skids and he just told me to, to weld. He said, I want you to weld. I said, okay, cool. And first he gave me the flux core machine, but it was too windy. So even in the shop, it was just way too windy. Damn. So I told, I, I said, look, it's windy. This is flux core. I have practiced with flux core, but I don't necessarily know how it's going to react to this. He said, just try it. I tried it. It looked like crap. All that porosity just looked bad. And I didn't want my first day there for him to say, oh, he sucks. So I went my own way. I got some 7018 rods and I burned those. And he came up to me and he said, the flux cord didn't work. I said, no, it didn't. It just gave me a bunch of porosity. He said, okay, cool. He looked at my weld. I maybe threw two, two, two wells. They were all flat though. And he looked at it and he was like, hmm, okay. And he walked away. So in my mind, I said, what is he thinking? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So from there, from that day on, it was like, okay, I'm going to make this weld a better weld than my last. Because I heard that he was a hardcore guy that no welds impressed him, nothing like that, that he was always on top of his guys as to how their welds looked. So my impression was, or what I wanted to do was to make him be like, oh, this kid, he can weld or he knows what he's doing. So I don't know how to build you that skid, but I welded it and he loved it. Uh, I believe he told me he was going to start me at 13. And that day after, after I was about to leave or before I was about to leave, he comes out to me. He said, I saw your work. He said, I liked it. I'm going to start you at 15. He said, I haven't seen much from you. I don't know what you can do, but I'm going to start you at 15 instead of 13. I said, okay, cool. I appreciate it. Thank you. So him telling me that, I said, okay, maybe maybe I do have a shot at this. Maybe I can do something with this, or maybe I am good at something. And from then on, I kept advancing and been to rigs, been to rig upgrades, worked with a rig builder. He gave me compliments as, as to my work and things like that. He told my boss he wanted me on the next one. Things like that. I, I've, I've accomplished a couple things that people my age really haven't done yet. And I'm very thankful for, for the things that, that I have been able to see and to do and to be part of um, just from being part of one company that does the well, that is welding. Yeah. They, they work for nothing but rigs um, for years. He's done it for, I think, 20 years already. So I've been to West Texas, New Mexico, went to a rig in Galveston, and I've been chasing rigs out here in, in South Texas too. I've been I've been all around Texas as far as it goes, South Texas and West Texas, and just seeing things that problem problem wellheads, things like that, rig upgrades from them drilling. I think he said five thousand feet to twenty, thirty thousand feet, stuff like that, and, and fabrication and being part of things like that. It's just amazing to see for me because I know that people my age aren't part of it yeah i know that they're not part of it i know that they that they haven't seen it it's pretty cool i hope you're enjoying the episode so far we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors upgrade your welding game today with the highest quality leather products from outlaw leather usa their welding hoods arm pads and handles are expertly crafted with premium materials to provide long-lasting durability and stunning visuals Don't settle for less than the best. Experience unbeatable protection and comfort with Outlaw Leather USA's custom leather products. 
As a special bonus for listening to the podcast, you can get 10% off your order by using the special promo code WELD10 at checkout. Upgrade your welding gear now at Outlaw Leather USA. Are you looking for a machine that has the versatility to handle MIG, TIG, and stick, as well as being able to run off of various power sources at the same time? Look no further than the Lincoln Electric 210MP. This was the first machine I picked up when I started my journey into welding, and it has never let me down. Light enough to carry into anywhere I might need to take it, with the ability to plug right into the wall when 220 isn't available, it has helped me build, repair, and create in all kinds of environments. There are all kinds of machines out there on the market, but from my personal experience, putting countless hours on this one, it's the first one I recommend to people looking for their first multi-process welding machine. Find out more over at LincolnElectric.com. You know, this this generational gap in skills, like people in your generation and even my generation, we're not pushed into the trades. We are pushed into a traditional like college career. And a lot of people in like the in your generation, trades do not really seem like the forefront of what they want to do. But, yeah. but the level of accomplishment, like what you were telling me, you're like, I got to do all this stuff that no one else my age gets to do. I think that's what people in the welding industry need to just communicate to people in your generation. It's it's not about just making money. It's feeling accomplished and feeling like a sense of pride about what you do. Welding and things with your hands, like you have a sense of accomplishment that you can look yeah. back on forever, hopefully, if, yeah. if the weld holds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, my thing with that is that I'm very fortunate to say that I've found something that I love. And there's so many things I still want to accomplish away from the welding industry, but I'm very blessed to say that I found something that I love to do because a lot of people, unfortunately, they just do things for the money. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it and I've seen it. I've seen it with kids uh, I went to school with. I've seen it with people I work with. They're not happy with what they're doing. Granted, granted, welding isn't going to make you happy. No, It's not not fun getting burned. It's not fun having a hot piece of slag or a hot piece of molten metal fall down your shirt. It's not fun. No. The fact is that I think that the biggest problem with people is that they're getting into things, whether it's welding or whatever else it is, they're getting into things for the wrong reason. I got into it because... First, it was out of curiosity. Then I found out I loved it. So I pursued it. A lot of people get into welding because they heard this guy made a lot of money with welding when they're chasing the money. Mm. You know, if you chase what you love first, if you, if you chase the things that that grow curiosity in your mind, that, that make you want to do it, just to do it, no matter what money is is there, then you found what you love. You know what I mean? That is that is greater than than any money you can make because you're doing what you love. 
You see, you see it out in the world always. You see millionaires that are sad and desperate. Yeah. Yet you see someone four fifty thousand dollars in debt and they're living the time. Like I had a good day today. You know what I mean? <laughs> if they're the ones with a million bucks, and that's the problem. It's really weird. It, it is money. They say it's the root of all evil, but I feel like the pursuit of money is really the pursuit. That's that's I, the root of the evil. Is the yeah. pursuit. No, it, it, yeah, it's it's the love of money that's that's the root of all evil. That's it. That's the love, it. Yeah. right? Because money necessarily doesn't make you a bad person. Mm-hmm. The things that you do for money is what could make you a bad person. You go into the drug deals, you go into the gangs because of money. You go into embezzling money. That will get you into some deep trouble. It'll yeah. make you a lot of money. But are you, you feeling fulfilled about it, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's, do you want to make money by, by being corrupt or do you want to make money by giving an honest day's work? And my thing is, I want to be, I want to sell people my product, what I can do and do it honestly. Mm-hmm. God gave me hands. He gave me feet. He gave me a mind to think and, and to act for myself for work, right? I don't want to take money from anyone and grow myself and make myself rich. I want to make other people rich with what I know because they're the ones that are going to be taking care of me. Mm-hmm. If I give them an honest days of work, if, if I make a table for them that they love, okay, word's going to spread around. Oh, he makes the best tables or he may, you know, he'll build you this nice building with his bare hands or with a couple people. People will love me for the work I give them and if they paid me $100,000, I want them to feel like they got a million out of me, mm-hmm. you know? So that is my sense of accomplishment. That's my sense of, of feeling rich because I'm not doing it for the money. Now, there comes a point where where you, you have a certain skill set, where you get good enough at what you're doing, where you have to charge more, where you mm-hmm. have to start knowing I'm worth something more than what I'm getting. Yeah. There it starts to there it starts to change from I love what I'm doing, but I also can't be killing myself for something that I love doing because I'm not getting I'm not getting compensated for it. You deserve to get paid what you're worth. Yeah. And I come from I talk about it all the time, but I come from the music world and yeah. In the music world, like the biggest joke that people always say is, oh, you'll get paid in exposure. Everybody thinks yeah. that that I can <laughs> eat exposure for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. But no, I've worked, like I've spent like 20 years developing this skill. Yeah. That's what you're paying for. You're paying for my skills. It's not just me showing up and trying to make a name for myself. It's no, I'm coming to you with a service and a skill and I'm exactly. selling that. So you're going to pay for it. Or you could just hire the cheap guy down the street. Right. Like, that's the uh, same yeah. thing with welding. Exactly. Yeah. I'm a guitar player myself, by the way. Heck um, yeah. What, what, what's your rig? What's your rig? <laughs> yeah. No, I play I play for my church, part of the worship team. So I, I know cool. what the how the music stuff works and whatnot. But, but it's true. You just have to know what you're worth. But that comes with time. Mm-hmm. Because the reason... There was other jobs out there that could have potentially offered me more than $15 an hour. I could have gone to work with my dad on a pipeline or something like that and made a lot more, but I would have gone in as a helper. And what what would I have learned? Just yeah. to weld pipe? Just you would have learned how to help. Pipe. You know what I mean? You learn how to help. <laughs> yeah. And 
not to look down on that at all, but I didn't want to go that route. I didn't want to go on and to just say, I'm just a pipeliner. Not that it's nothing bad at all. That's my main goal. I want to be a pipe, but I want to know more than just throwing a beat on a pipe. I want to be the best pipe welder I can be, but I also want to be the best builder I can be. Yeah. And I'm not going to learn how to build on a pipeline. So I, I had I had my goals set as to what I wanted for my career, as to what I wanted to learn. The job, uh, you know, the company I work with, they do anything from building to welding. You know, from we build some silos and stuff like that for for a concrete company. Um, they're they're local and they have a couple different different areas that that they service. So we we're cutting tops off of the silos, replacing that. We were we were building the actual uh, parts where the concrete and the rocks come out of. So those things were huge, man. I was climbing in there through I could barely fit, man, and I'm a skinny guy. Yeah. Through the compartments where they open up the rocks uh, so that the rocks would come down or for the sand to come down. I was climbing into the into those pieces and welding it up in there while the other guys were welding on the outside. I was able to see that it wasn't just a, an oil rig. Things like that, man. Things like that worked on trucks for for the trailers and things like that. You get that, a wide range. I, like I wanted to see a variety of what you can do with welding. Now I didn't know what I was getting into with the company, but I heard things. Hmm. I heard that they didn't just do oil rigs; they did any kind of work that they could pick up. So I said, well, "If that's the case, we'll see." I mean, my second, third day on the job, my boss tells me, "Hey, we're gonna go deal with the problem head." I want you to come with me so you can see what we do, you know, what, what we're capable of. And whenever I got there, I had no idea what was going on, obviously. But what it was, was we were looking for the inner casing um, for the wellhead because it was going to be a re-entry. But they, I believe the casing dropped or something happened to where the inner casing was 70 to 80 feet below ground level. So they dug down. 80, 90 feet so that we could look for that inner casing. So my boss, he gets in that hole. He starts cutting it off. He starts cutting the 20-inch casing first. There's concrete inside, so he starts breaking that off. But while he's cutting it, diesel or something that uh, one of the guys, I think, dumped into that conductor a day prior. I don't know what the case was, but something was in there that was flammable. And according to, according to the guys, to the wellhead guys, that didn't have anything, but there was something. Mm -hmm. So while he was cutting, everything just started rising up and he was 80 feet below ground level. And the conductor was at ground level, if not a little higher, flames just started shooting out and they were about to fall on him. We all started yelling, Hey, get out of there. (laughs) He looks up and next thing he sees is just a, a ball of flame just falling towards him. My boss runs out of there. He finds a little cave within that hole that they dug out. And that whole place is just in flames. Luckily, we had uh, an excavator there. He threw dirt onto the fire. We stepped out of there until it cleared up. My boss steps right back in there. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to about that, Yeah, to find that inner casing. We pull that 20-inch casing out. Couldn't find it. So he told them, well, you guys have to dig deeper. And that freaked me out because I saw... And, and my boss, he's maybe, I think, 70 already. And he's still out there doing that stuff. Damn, dude. Said, well, this is what he's doing? That's the and guy you want to work for. Exactly. So whenever I saw that, I was like, man, this guy is the real deal. 
a ball of fire falling on top of him and he still wants to get back in. Yeah. It was nice to see that. And from there, that that day on, he, he went on to tell me, this is the kind of stuff that we do. He's, we don't do it often, but we do it. And he was like, and I'd like for you to learn it. Mm-hmm. He said, I'll teach you and, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll make you know, and I'll, and I'll let you know what situations you can get yourself in and know that you're confident and what situations you have to say no in. Mm-hmm. And he said, but all of that comes with experience. And until now, he keeps telling me, all you need is experience. So all you need is experience and, and, and to know what it is that you're doing. So it's just, it's just getting out there, man, and doing it, really. Yeah. And Hunter, he's he's told me a lot about you. He's he loves to talk about you. But can you tell us a little bit because you've had you've had some kind of success that has been recognized in certain ways. Would you like to talk about that? Yeah, I was number nine in my class ranking. I think it was number nine out of 400, something like that. It's a small town that, that I live in, in Alice, Texas. But nonetheless, I was number nine. So it was pretty cool to to see my face on the city hall billboard with the top 10 Alice Coyotes. And the cool thing about that was everyone's holding their, their college flag and they, their thing was to go to college. My thing was, I don't want to go to college. And it's funny because I'm a top, you know, top 10 student that doesn't want to go to school. And, and the thing with that was I felt like I found something that I loved. So I wanted to pursue it. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I did. And I'm the only one there without a college flag, just holding up my pancake in the picture. That's what I was yeah, hoping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, I was holding up my pancake and I had gone, I think the day we were taking pictures, I went to Coastal Bend. I was in class and I told Hunter, I was like, Hey, I got to go. I, I just need to take a picture. I'll be right back. And he looked at me. He was like, a picture for what? I said, well, I'm a top 10 student. So I got to take a picture. They're going to take a picture of me. And he said, hold up your pancake. I was like, I was already going to do that. <laughs> no way. He was like, really? I said, yeah. So send me a picture. Cause he didn't believe me. He didn't believe me. I guess he thought I was going to stand without nothing or with a college flag or, or whatnot, but I didn't. I stood up with my pancake and I was proud to do it. My principal was there and, and she just looked at me and she smiled and she was like, nice. Cause she knew, she knew I wanted to be a welder. She, she just looked at me and she was like, nice, good job. And it was, it was cool. And from there, I mean, it was just my waiting for my picture to go up on the city hall and people drive by. So they're able to see, see my picture on up to nine of my former classmates. And it's cool to see that. I'm very thankful for, for you guys, wall.com that featured me on their, on their newsletter. Uh, I thought Hunter was pulling my string whenever he was telling me about it. I thought he was messing with me or playing a joke. Until I saw it, I was like, hey, that's, that's pretty cool. And I appreciate it from, from you guys for sure. Absolutely. I mean, that's yeah. that's what, like me, I'm very passionate about trying to grow welding education in general. Just yeah. like making it more accessible to more people. Because yeah. not only do we need people in the industry, but I know to me, welding has been a just a huge changing force in my life. Like yeah. my life has completely changed since I started welding. And it's the confidence you get from welding that it's like the welding skills are one thing, but the sense of accomplishment, the pride, and just like you just, it changes who you are, I feel. Yeah. And so having people around you in 
when you're coming up and learning, like Hunter, I always tell people the importance of mentors. Like someone that you can talk to and ask questions to and ask them for guidance, it's always going to help you. And a lot of people have a hard time asking for that. And I feel like a lot of times people in school who do really well, they're the people that are constantly asking the questions. Was that kind of your experience? What was your experience going through school? Were you just like timid to ask questions or were you the guy up there every day? Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Yeah. I don't know how to say that because I was very interested in what I was doing, but I also wasn't asking a lot of questions. I guess things just came natural to me to where I didn't have to ask a lot of questions. But whenever I was, I try to figure things out on my own a lot. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's a good thing, but also a bad thing. Because sometimes it takes me a little longer to figure it out where I could just ask a question and boom. But I find it something as a kind of accomplishment, like you say, because I figured it out. But then there's, there's a time where I get frustrated or I just need to know you know, what a thing is or what I'm doing. And I ask a question. There's nothing wrong with asking questions. I'd much rather ask a question as to just go in and Mess you know, it up. make a mistake. <laughs> Working with the company I work with, it, it's very hard because you make a mistake and it'll cost the company thousands and thousands of dollars because we're working with big companies. We're working with big companies that own a lot of rigs. So one, even if you're just going for a handrail, to do a handrail and you only take one joint and you mess up, it's it's costly because either you have to work with what you have or you need your company to send a hot shot of material or you yourself need to go drive, go get more material, come back. And that's just a lot of money you're spending on that that rig is spending because they're paying you. I'm but, in that industry expensive yeah. thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's no, it's tough. And working with with young guys or not young guys, but people that don't have a lot of experience like myself within my company, a big thing is that I see that they don't want to ask questions um, either because they're scared or maybe just because they don't care. They're, they're, they're not interested in it, but maybe they're, they're just scared of asking questions or seeing what other people may think. But the thing is, you have to ask questions. Even the, even the man you're scared of asking a question to, they were at once in your position to say, I don't know what I'm doing. They so, had questions at one point, I'm exactly. sure. Exactly. <laughs> and, and even till now, all the guys I work with, they're still asking questions. They're still asking questions. They're still trying to figure things out every now and then, or they don't know everything and, and no one ever will. You may be great at what you do and, and be a, prof- a complete professional with what you do, but you will always ask a question within what you're doing or, or you get presented with, with a task and you have to because either you've never done it or it's just confusing or one aspect of what you're doing changed. Mm-hmm. So it's different. But yeah, back to your question, it was, I wouldn't ask a lot of questions, I would say, <laughs> but, I would, but I would ask questions Yeah, when, it, when I got to a point where I was just stuck. And so a big thing that I always end each episode with is asking people for what's your advice to give to newer welders or people trying to get ahead in the industry. But coming from someone and like where you're pretty new to the welding industry yes. anyway, but very close to your school days, what would you tell 
when you first got into welding school, if you could meet yourself on that first day, what would your advice to tell yourself be? I think it'd have to be two things. Number one, it'd be to only do it if you love it. And the only way you'll find out if you love it is by doing it. But if you love it, if there's something that interests you, if there's something that that sparks something in you, sparks life in you to say, I want to do this, and it gets you excited to get up in the morning because you're going to go do it, then do it. Go for it. And number two is get after it. If you put your mind to it, if, if you have one goal set or 10 goals set, no matter what it is, do it. Granted, I'm only 19, but life is short. Yeah. Even if you put it in, into, into, into the perspective of me only being 19 and having my life ahead of me, I see it as my life is short because I don't know if I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning. Yeah. I'm here by, by the grace of God and I want to do whatever I can do to fulfill my time here. But I don't want to do it by doing something I'm not happy with, by doing something that that stops me from wanting to wake up in the morning or to get up out of my bed. So whatever it is, I tell myself if I went back to that time is do it if you love it. And if you're going to do it, then give your 120% effort because life out here, life out of school isn't easy. Life isn't easy out of school. And, and, and a lot of, a lot of young people don't know that a lot of young people have, have gone through, have gone through problems. They, they've gone through situations in their life where they know life isn't easy, mm. you know, but they've gone through that with their parents or, or with someone guiding them. Because when you're under eight, when you're younger than 18, really either you have the school behind you, you have teachers behind you, pushing you, barely passing you. So you could go on to the next grade out here. It's, if you don't pay your bills on time, you're going to be without light. You're going to be without a car. So you have to do it. And you got to put those big boy pants, the big girl pants on and, and say, I got to get out there and do it and get it done. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of the well.com podcast. And thank you, Ricardo, for sitting down and sharing your story with us. I also want to give a big shout out to our amazing sponsors, Aesop, Arc Labs, Outlaw Leather, and Lincoln Electric for making the show possible and giving us all an understanding of all the different paths available out there in the welding world. If you have a topic that you would like me to cover or you want to be a guest on the show, reach out to me on the Weld app at BoDidIt or shoot me an email at bowdw@weld.com. Speaking of the app, did you know that on our job board, you can not only just look for jobs, you can post yourself as available to work by letting employers see what you specialize in, your hourly rate, and how far you're willing to travel. Download the app today and see everything it has to offer to take your career to the next level. Until next week, we'll see you out there.